Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I'm a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I am a Christian. And our bar this evening, Jamal, has a baby grand in the corner. Oh. And a piano man. Oh, I am I am getting excited. This is, is this the Divine Music episode again? It certainly is. The episode is the most difficult to edit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got to cut in tracks all the time. Um, or, or should we call this a Devil's Music episode? Oh, does the devil have music? The devil gets all the best music, doesn't I mean, he? Isn't if, that if you ask the preachers from the, from the 1940s, the devil definitely has music. <laughs> Probably if you ask some preachers from today as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, so who are we... Who are we listening to today, Jacob? We are listening to the one and only inimitable. That sounds like I'm introducing Dizzy Gillespie now, but I'm not. I'm introducing Ray Charles, um, who... Does he need an introduction? Do we need to tell you that Ray Charles shakes his tail feather in Blues Brothers? Yeah, let, that's let, if. And if you don't know that, well, what are you doing? Yeah, here? yeah. All right, I, I, I have to say, I love Ray Charles. I, um, I, I grew up uh, as a teenager loving soul. Um, yeah, I yeah, was uh, played in a soul band for a little bit. Oh, so um, you're a soul man. I, I am a soul yeah. man. We, 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 we did sing that song as well. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I have sung about being a soul man, but um, but Ray Charles is one of my favorites. Um, the movie Ray was one of my favorites growing up. Um, obviously loved the Blues Brothers. Yeah, that there's there's a lot to like about Ray Charles. There's a few things to not like about Ray Charles, but we're not going to go into that. We're going to go well, into well, his. We his might music. get into it eventually, but um, here we go. Well, I got a woman way over town. That's good to me. So this was. His first real hit back in like 1950, uh, 57 was the album, but I think this was a couple of years before that. Nice. And, and if you don't know Ray Charles, you probably heard this bit. <laughs> yes, sampled on uh, famous R&B hits in the, in the 20th century. Did you know that century? The, the sample that they actually used was not this song? It was Jamie, yeah, it was Fox. Jamie Fox. Yeah, it was yeah Jamie singing Fox. this song for the movie, Ray, which yeah. is yeah, well worth a watch. Absolutely, yes. If you if you have a spare three hours of your life, go watch the movie, Ray. It, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, so Ray Charles' breakout hit, I've Got a Woman. Um, so... Look, we normally do a little bit of unpacking of the song itself, but you know, um, there isn't a whole lot to unpack in the song itself. It's another one. He's got a woman song. way over town. It's it's good to him. Although some of the research I was doing today suggests, like she's way over town, like it could be a white woman. So like a bit of an illicit relationship thing that's true. going on that he's singing about. That's which, true. Yeah. It could be. Um, and I illicit at the time. We should stress. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And look, look, we, we will call out here that some of these lyrics um, have not aged well, um, particularly. She knows a woman's place is right there in her home. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to accept that fact. We're going to accept that this is a product of its time, and we're going to move on. Absolutely. Um, but you know, so but this song is slightly different to some of the ones we've done before because a lot of the other songs we've we've done. Two. Are, we've done two we've songs done two. so far. This is, this the third is a third in this segment. ongoing segment. Um, but the other songs we've done have been religious in message, right? And then kind of using pop music to convey that and this one's a little bit the opposite you know the, the lyrics here are are all uh very very not religious they're they're about ray charles having uh a a lover or a, an affair um with a woman who's really good to him and about how much he loves her and about how how good of a woman she is to him it's a it's a real um yeah it's a it's a real pop song in that the message is about love and sex and and all those 
rock and roll things. Which were kind of starting to kind of really pop up in popular music around mm. this time. Like this is a time that Elvis is starting to become a big deal and they'd been kind of they'd been there in popular music and especially war songs mm. like that kind of thing beforehand but it starts to become more explicit around this time. Yeah. So yeah. so what is it then about this song that is religious and why why is this coming onto a theology podcast rather than a, a rather than a um a recap of the entire Blues Brothers and every artist in it? So I think we can best answer this, that question if we listen to some of the music that is informing this piece, because this was a, a genre-breaking piece at the time. As we said, it's Ray's first big hit, but you can hear some similar vibes going on in other music like this one here. Sisters and brothers, this is Reverend Satchmo getting ready to beat out this Miller Sunday. <laughs> Reverend Satchmo, I love it. My text this evening when the saints go marching in. Here come Brother Hickenbottom down the aisle with his trombone. Blow it, boy. So this is Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, playing When the Saints Go Marching In. You might have noticed the, the drum beat that's kind of sitting behind it. It's pretty similar to what Ray's doing because it's in, you know he's in the blues and jazz kind of world that's going on. He's absolutely a, a, yeah. Ray Ray is a is a blues artist that really he, he almost helps shape blues into rhythm and blues. Yeah, exactly right. And this is where the rhythm comes from, right? Because if you listen to the. There's a lot, a lot of a lot of sizzle in that. So a lot of sizzle in that. So then, if we go back to "I Got a Woman," so you can hear like a similar groove and back sitting in behind it. And the reason why that's significant is because Louis Armstrong, in that previous song, is like he's very deliberately introducing himself as. Reverend Satchmo, and it is a religious song. Like when the saints go marching it in, absolutely it is, is. It's a church it, song. It's it's an old black spiritual, <laughs> and it turns out that what Ray Charles is doing here is channeling old black spiritual. So um, a huge influence for uh, um, Ray Charles was the great one and only Nat King Cole. That was actually who Ray wanted to be when he grew up and he had to change his voice because everyone said he sounded too much like Nat King Cole and there was already a Nat King Cole, so he had to do his own thing. And so we can hear Nat King Cole now on his album of spirituals doing this. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you moan. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you moan. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. And this has that same, it's, yeah, it's a, it's that kind of gospel beat sitting behind, mm. but the call and response back over and over and over. I got a woman wherever town that's good to me. Mm. I got a woman and repeat and so on. Um, so the form is really similar, the vibe is really similar, and this was church music and, and, pretty and much it, up until this point. Well, yeah, and I think the, the groundbreaking thing that Ray is doing here is that he's taking church music but suddenly making it not about church. So, you know, the Nat King Cole and the Louis Armstrong piece that we played before, they're both still being church songs, right? And they're yeah. popularising them. They're, they're making them, you know, funky. They're making them, you know... Well, but they're not even popularising them that much in the, in the sense that 
they're playing them the way that they were played in church, right? So a heap of artists at this time, I don't know about Ray Charles, but people like Nat King Cole, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin all grew up singing in church, Mm. right? Like Aretha Franklin's gospel music, like – Half like she's got albums live in churches, mm. which it, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna play Aretha Franklin. Oh no, please! We have to. Now, play, we now, have to now, play now that we've gone there, we we'll have to play, we'll Aretha. Have to play Aretha. Now, this it has to be said doesn't sound. Um, there, there's less similarities here with what Ray is doing. Aretha slows everything down a bit more. You're right, we didn't have to have a oh. So gotta have Aretha. This album is recorded live at New Temple Missionary. Baptist Church. Right, okay. So And you can hear on some of the tracks, maybe not so much in this one, just the people going, Yeah, and join it like, you know, it, it's it's not white church. It's not the church that I grew up in. But this is church music. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so yeah, you're absolutely right. So what these artists are doing at the time is not so much popularizing that music, but they are taking it and putting it on the radio. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're exactly right. This the, is half of Sam Cooke's catalogue, right? Yeah, they're, they're taking yeah. music directly from their churches and directly from their communities, and they're putting it out there and and mainstreaming it. And you know, yeah, and remember, this is the 1950s, right? So, yeah, you know, black music on the radio is not a thing. It's you know, it's it's a pretty dicey thing to be doing, and. But yet, this is you know this is the groundbreaking way that that black musicians are breaking into the mainstream. Yeah, exactly right. And the the thing that Ray Charles does wonderfully, and not just on this song, but a number, is he's a crossover artist, right? Because mm. he's taking those sounds that are you know from the black community and but have an element of being familiar and accessible, and then turning them into pop mm. by taking the song and um, and making it about a woman. Yeah, way over town. And and, look, and Ray does have some more explicitly religious music in his back catalogue, but I think this is really, not as much as the others. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and this is really what he's famous for is that crossoverness. It's the, it's taking, you know. So in the other songs we've done, it, it's been pop music with religious lyrics, and this is the flip of that. This is religious yeah. music and explicitly religious gospel music with pop lyrics talking about a woman he's sleeping with who is treating him really well. And, and so the question then is, well, is that an appropriate kind of use of sacred music? Is, I, is he demeaning the music in some Some way? preachers back in the 1950s. <laughs> Absolutely, so. yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, this is the other layer to this, right? Because Ray was heavily criticised uh, for, for what he was doing here, right? So he, yeah. he, he was... This got cons- him in a lot of... Hot water. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I think partially what also got him in a lot, hot, a lot of hot water was being black, um, and so it's it's easier. But, but it came from the black community, I think. I, like, I don't think it was white folks saying, "What's he doing with this music?" It, it was kind of his own tribe in that yeah, sense, okay. and right. and black preachers going, "Like, wh- what are you doing? This is 
our sacred music. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it was black preachers as well that were having a go at him. I, I believe so. I, I stand to be corrected on that, okay. but I think so. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's an interesting kind of cultural point, right? Because you know, there's there's clearly a very conservative movement that does not want religious music to be used in this way, right? And yet, and, well, and like arguably almost appropriated in a sense. Like mm. there's the appropriation just of capitalism and pop music, but also the the African-American spirituals, the Negro spirituals as mm. they're called, like come out of, like they're, they're liberation songs. They're mm. like, they come out of this up you to the slave owners because God's on our side because it turns out that you're Pharaoh and we're the Israelites in Egypt. Mm. Like there's a motif that comes over and over in this. So, so it's kind of like, it's almost taking into the establishment and anti-establishment Mm. music yeah and i think that becomes even murkier when you consider how ray charles later in his career really got behind um the civil rights movement mm-hmm. you know so so the the white part of society started really really hating him because he started to refuse to play concerts in segregated audiences or which, in segregated states which is a story if anyone knows probably his best known song georgia on my mind comes out of his refusal to play in Georgia mm. until he could play in front of an unsegregated crowd. Yeah, and so... For it, decades, I think, until he went back there. Absolutely, right. And it's an, it's an interesting thing where, you know, he's getting criticised from one side by for taking that music and for for essentially giving it to to the the oppressing class, and yet he's also criticising the oppressing class and trying to, through his music, undermine the oppression and trying to kind of create a you know, fight for a scenario with less oppression by using the very music that, <laughs> that people don't want him to take and give to the oppressive class. It, it, it's it's a tricky... I mean, it's the 1950s and 60s, it's a messy time, but, you know... Well, and, and that is, like, in some ways the story of rock and roll, right? Mm. Like, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Chuck Berry, uh, who does Johnny Be Good, right? Mm. Like, brings a really raw rock and rolly sound and a heap of stuff into kind of the the mainstream little richard as well right and, and then it, it kind of eventually gets co-opted by white bands and and actually the brits run with it a whole lot more than the americans oh, the, do the, the, the and, amount of beatles early music was actually just ripped off r&b artists it's yeah it, it's crazy and I, I think it's a it is an interesting time for this as well right because i think ray from what I remember, Ray didn't have too many songs that were ripped off by white artists. And I wonder if he was one of the first black artists to be able to kind of navigate a career at that time that wasn't just feeding songs to Elvis. So, well, he, he also fed songs to Elvis. <laughs> but speaking of being ripped off by white people, we'll get a load of this. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I got a woman It's it's getting slightly better as the song goes on. This is 1963, and this is the Beatles live at the BBC. This is the Beatles. Yeah. Wow. I'm not sure whether I think is that Paul. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Are are they crediting him or are they just? Yeah, yeah, no, they covered it, and uh, and Elvis covered it as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, well, there you go. The, the, the <laughs> That's a very came. white version of that song, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, right? It really, really is. Um, and, and and it's interesting, right? Because all right, here's, here's an interesting kind of stepping stone point. Because when you when you hear that, when you hear the Beatles covering 
I've got a woman. There's something missing, right? And, mm. and I think that what is missing is... Good drums. <laughs> good, good drums. Hey, hey, Ringo Starr was the best drummer in the Beatles. Um, but, yeah, what, what's missing here is the... It, it's almost the soul, right? Like the, the spirit is missing from it, right? It doesn't have... Yeah, you, you can feel the spirit in Ray Charles's I've Got mm. a Woman and you can't feel the spirit in the Beatles I've Got a Woman. And, you know, a lot of that you can, you know, unpack the instrumentation or whatever else. But I think a lot of that you can, you have to bring back to the community from which it's coming from and the, mm. the place in the, that owns that music. And, you know... Um, and just the way they've played it, like, kind of since they were tiny, right? Mm. Like, and, and as I mentioned, like a bunch of these artists grow up singing in church like Winton Marsalis who is one of the the best trumpeters going around today like he was playing trumpet in church at age eight or so with the band because that was just what you did so so these guys have grown up playing this kind of music since mm. forever and so they all know the grooves and the the bits and pieces and the, the soul as you're saying mm, yeah. absolutely right yeah and it's um I don't know it's like it, it's an interesting kind of it's an interesting thing to watch that happening and like I, i'm not quite sure you know i don't know the history of rock and roll so i'm you know it is probably the beatles and elvis that eventually land how to do that well right and how to how to take that style of music and and make it into something that's that that's not whatever that was um, <laughs> and you know uh, but but like they're still working that out at this time right and i think ray is providing the bridge right ray is the person who is kind of taking that as you know if you if you think through aretha being mm. deeply in the church and doing gospel spiritual music the beatles can't cover that it's just not possible like l- let alone like whether or not it's appropriate it's just, it doesn't yeah. work whereas they need this step out which is ray to take that music but then put it in a con- context and a lyrical context that makes sense but the other people that need that step are people like aretha right mm. because without ray doing this I don't know whether Aretha sings R-E-S-P-E-C-T or mm. certainly not It's Raining Men. Yeah, that's true. She yeah. doesn't sing It's Raining Men. <laughs> yeah, okay. You can see the line from this to It's Raining Men, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. But I, I don't know if Aretha does that, if artists like Ray kind of aren't pushing that style, of, that gospel style into a, a secular setting. Yeah. And, and actually, can we for a second, can we go to It's Raining Men for a second? Because I, I and because like, again... Like th- and, and then we can make a theological point. We'll, sure. we'll come back no, to a theological no, no, point. I think yeah, there's yeah. a theological point to be very. No, that's that's Ray, absolutely Ray that's, Ray. because yeah. yeah, I know I know this is started as an episode about Ray, but I I think the it's raining men is a really interesting theological religious song because again, it it's it's paying almost it to me it's raining men is almost half a step back from Ray, in the sense that. Well, and, and maybe it's a step in both directions because it's slightly more pop influenced, right? It's slightly less gospel influenced musically, but it's absolutely bringing in gospel influences lyrically, right? It's raining men, hallelujah. You know, it, it, it's a it's a specific call to praise about the fact that men are falling from the sky. I don't think we need to go there now. I, th- I think you've, you... Do we need to listen to the song? Yes, we do. Okay. We absolutely need to listen to It's Raining Men. We should clarify that... It is not actually Aretha Franklin, but the Weather Girls who sang It's Raining Men. But here they are. It's raining men. Hallelujah, it's raining men. There's claps. Yeah, 
There you go. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. But but that is actually that's starting to get disco right. Like the, the, that's starting to pull away from the real classic gospel sound. But it's bringing in some of the gospel lyrics to help make that bridge. Yeah, like the, the, the so where we saw before with Louis Armstrong, mm. Nat King Cole, all of that, like the the feel that was sitting underneath. Mm. I got a woman. Mm. The that feel is gone now, mm. but the vocals and the lyrics and the vocals are still bridging, as you say. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and and so the, this is a the theological question I wanted to ask is if is something like I got a woman, like in that secularization, is is the woman playing kind of the role of God? Now, in this song, mm, interesting, and it, is that what's what's happened here? So, I would I, I would think so. I mean, so maybe the woman is not playing the role of God, but the the woman has become the object of worship. Yeah, right. Well, that's the role of God. Well, yes, yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> for the pur- for the purpose of the song, for right? the purpose like- <laughs> of the song, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so the the, the woman is is the object of worship. The woman is, and, and, you, and you can hear, so actually, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say a full yes to this, right? Because when you go through yeah. the lyrics, you can, you can, you know, pass them across. She gives me money when I'm in need. Yeah, she's a kind of friend indeed, right? Maybe not money, but yeah. you know, giving you things when you're in need, being and, a friend. And what a friend we have in Jesus, right? Yeah. Like, which, which is, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, it, you know, um, never grumbles or fusses, always treats me right, never running in the streets and leaving me alone, right? And, you know, particularly for a guy who's blind, that's probably a big deal. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's like, you know, this idea of like, you know, you're not being left alone, you're being, you know, you're being cared for and and loved by this woman slash God. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can absolutely see why, why the woman plays the role of God in this song, which, which, again, I can also see why that's hugely blasphemous to certain people, right? And and it's interesting that it's I think it's kind of around this point that and and this is probably as much to do with just general cultural trends as anything else, but that kind of God starts to disappear from popular music from mm. kind of the sixties and seventies. Like obviously there's still you know there's places like Hillsong and Bethel Music and what have you like making religious music still now, but it's it's very much its own kind of niche mm. thing. Whereas, as we were saying before, like half of Sam Cooke's catalogue, um, the you know, famous blues crooner guy, half of that is religious songs. Nat King Cole puts out an album of spirituals. Mm-hmm. Like that just doesn't seem to happen kind of once you get to 80s, 90s-ish. Mm-hmm. The, the, the focus of mainstream music has, has shifted decisively, which is not to say there weren't love songs before, of course. Mm-hmm. but Yeah, and so I... To... To also kind of go back to I've Got a Woman for a second, I, yeah. I, I'd heard somewhere that it was based on a song called I Got Religion, um, and which, again, is, is a kind of direct crossover. So, yeah, I, I, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, but the story I heard was it was I've Got Religion, da, 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 like, so like that. So I'm here to tell you, Jamal, yeah. that you're mistaken. I'm it, mistaken. Okay, it's not I've Got Religion. It's not based on a song called I've Got Religion. It's even better than that. You're going to love this. Because I, I did, I did have, some research. I, I did some research for this podcast because I always do research for, for our Divine Music podcast, it seems, and not for anything else. And so it's based on a song called It Must Be Jesus. Uh, I, I thought you'd like that. So we're going to have, again, this is uh, Ray Charles. Oh, so, so he, he's, I, he's I Got a, a Woman. Here's, here's I Got a Woman, Ray Charles, right? Well... I got a woman 
So you got that in your head, right? Yeah. Yep. So this is what Ray was listening to in 1953, 54-ish. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They don't quite have the the uh, it, it's, party tempo that Ray it's, does. It's just if you keep it up, it, it's it's the same it's the same chord structure, right? Yeah. It's the same back here. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here. It's the same melody. Yeah, the, the, you that, don't hear Kanye sampling that, do you? That, that that is a direct direct copy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well there you go. Um, so there you go. It, it must be Jesus, and I'm assuming that's just a song about Jesus and about how how great Jesus is. Um, yeah. More yeah. or less, yeah. yeah. Has has all of the the elements of all the other gospel songs that we've been talking about here, um, and that like it does bring into just the whole the the plagiarism that plagues rock and roll, mm. kind of at this time. I mean, like we heard we heard the Beatles covering "I Got a Woman" there. Um, mm. The I, I, a cover is slightly different, right? Because the, the Stones cover "Muddy Waters" and other blue bands, mm. blues bands, and and that kind of thing. Um, but there's a bit of kind of uncredited copying that goes on, mm. such as this one here. And um, Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good is ripping off half a dozen different people with no credit whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's an ethical blue question blue around shoes, that. Shoes but. is ripping off with no credit, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, did you not hear, know that? No. I said, so no, um, no, oh, sorry, I'm not sure about Blue's Shoes. Hound Dog, sorry. Hound Dog. Oh, Hound, Hound Dog. Hound yeah, Dog yeah, is yeah. definitely ripping off with no yep. credit, yeah. Sorry, got my Elvis songs mixed up. They all sound the same. Um, <laughs> they really do. <laughs> really do. I, I, I have not seen the Elvis film. It's not on my list. And, I've know. heard Tom Hanks is pretty good in it. Yeah, yeah. It's Tom Hanks. Yeah, You're correct. Um, but yeah, okay. So it's so it's, it's such an interesting time because I, I think you can you can hear in all that music and it's, you know particularly in the black music um, of the time that that real stepping stone that transition piece. I mean, do you think? That so we know that we don't get rock and roll without that, right? Like yeah. I, I, that's musicology is pretty well set on. We don't get rock and roll without artists like Ray Charles and BB King and and Lou Richards, Lou Richards, and, and, yep. and you know Nina Simone coming out and, and doing that. Um, do you do you think that the separation between religious music and pop music? Like, do you, do you think that that never happens without this kind of stuff, right? I, and I guess I'm trying to ask, like, the there's something that's more than rock and roll here, right? There, there's, there's something that is bringing across uh, not just the music and not just the beats, but also the lyrics and also the intention behind it. Um, you know, I mean, I, what do we get without this, you know, um, that, that isn't just rock and roll? It, it, there, there's something else in in the spiritual element of it that I think is brought across by it, by this crossover music? Yeah, that's a good question. Because you mentioned before the, the Beatles version just kind of not having soul to it. I, I think we... I, I, th I think if we don't have artists like Ray Charles, then we never get beyond Bill Haley and the Comets or the early Beatles. Um, is that specifically religious? We, we, we probably don't get to what Beck was talking about a few uh, episodes ago of the, mm. the quasi-religious 
experience of you know Florence versus the machine and the uh, the modern um, concert mm. and that that kind of do we do we get that anyway? I don't, I don't know. I mean, because there's a sense in which those two things kind of bounce off each other, right? Well, and I think you're right. I, th- I think we get to a version of rock and roll without this, right? Because I think Bill Haley and the Comets and you know. Um, uh, Buddy Holly and stuff were kind of getting there, but like I think, yeah, I, I think you you don't have you don't have music and pop music, and particularly white pop music, that is imbued with the with, with, with the kind of the grunt of soul and mm-hmm. the kind of the real and that grunt is it's um it's musical, right? So like there's an actual kind of guttural vocal sound that gets brought across but it's also kind of the the depth and the kind of the, the the sentiment of the song that I think you really you don't get and you probably get quite clean rock and roll yeah um but you know yeah i i wonder how much this then leads to the stones which then leads to like well, and this rock. this certainly leads to like Eric Clapton. Mm. So, oh, well, Eric Clapton was just white BB King. Like, let, let's <laughs> be honest about that. That was all that Eric. Clapton well, I think I think Eric Clapton and BB King are also both quite honest about. Yeah, that. yeah they're, 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 they're good friends. Because <laughs> um, because I was trying to think of um, oh, what's the song that he released in the early nineties. Um, uh, I don't know, Layla. Um, in the early nineties, oh, I, I, I don't know my discography of Eric Clapton and when he released oh, things. I just know random. sad. Guitar Tears in song. Heaven. Yeah, Tears in Tears Heaven, Heaven, right? Like, do, do you get something like Tears in Heaven without the gospel influence mm. on the whole genre of music? Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh. Maybe you do, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, so to, to actually to bring in an interesting other side point on this, I think the the back and forth on this is is so brilliant too because as on we, i got a woman no sorry on on this whole soul crossover kind sure. of thing right so yeah as as uh african-american music becomes more uh acceptable more mainstream and you can get played on the radios um you know you see this going starting to go both ways and i, I, th- I think it's definitely still black musicians contributing more to the canon than taking more from the canon but um one of the ones that i love and if you can if you can pull this up this will be great um, one of my favorite things to do at Christmas is to sit and listen to Quincy Jones's Funky Messiah. So Quincy Jones, um, uh, probably a producer more than a musician, although a musician as well. Yeah, a bit of both. Um, but he has an album called... Um, I, I, so I think Funky Messiah is the song. The album's called... Um, the album's called Handel's Messiah, A Soulful Celebration, right? Uh, and I, I just know it as Funky Messiah because that's really what it is. Um, and you know, and and if you listen to say the like the main um, Hallelujah chorus from it, right? And so so it's Quincy Jones doing um, doing all of these various little uh, all the essentially it's Quincy Jones taking Handel's Messiah and re-recording it with funk and soul artists, right? So he's he's got Diane Reeves, he's got Stevie Wonder, he's got um, yeah, he's got. Who else has he got? So in 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 the Hallelujah chorus, he has literally everybody, and also because it's 1992 here, he's got Michael Jackson arranging stuff on this too, right? Like this is um, you know, this is huge, and and you know, this is yeah, this is 90s. This is you know, kind of very well into after things, but you know, it's gorgeous to hear this go back the other way and to hear to hear kind of a a very white classical piece of music. 
uh, be essentially translated back into soul in that kind of way. And look, I mean, I, 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 I'm generally a fan of the Messiah. I am more of a fan of Handel's Messiah, a soulful celebration than I am of the Messiah. I think if you, if you want to get a, uh, if you want to get a church rocking on Christmas Eve, um, maybe get your band to play this one rather than, um, rather than the original. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. And so, I'm going to listen to this on the way home. Oh, you, 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 all right, actually, can we do can we do a Christmas special of this album of Divine Music? Because I think that is that that's a whole other thing. Anyway, we'll have a play around with we'll it. Play yeah, around, yeah. yeah. And sorry, I, I I misquoted. It's actually produced by Mervyn Warren, and Quincy Jones conducted the chorus in the Hallelujah chorus, uh, which is his role in it. Um, but yeah, you know, I I think that, that that crossover back and forth is really cool, and you're starting to you start to see some of that happening, um, you know, as as the years go by. But look, I mean, I I do think that Ray is kind of almost the single most important person in that journey, right? Ray Ray's the f- person that breaks the mold of it having to be just straight taken out of the churches and put on an album. Ray goes, well, hold on why can't it be taken out of the churches and given a different take and, you know, have lyrics changed and put on an album and see how that goes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this does remind me of the time a Christian and Buddhist walked into a bar, uh, actually, and um, and they walked into the bar, um, yeah, and they, they were listening to Ray Charles, obviously, because, you know, it, it, it's what it you It was do. topical. They just recorded a podcast about it. They just recorded a podcast it. about it. Um, and they, um, uh, they walked into a bar and there was a... Um, there was a, there was a vampire that was sitting at a piano in the bar, and they're like, "Oh, there's a piano at the bar," yeah. and they walked in, um, and the vampire's playing the t- piano, but it's really bad, like it's like it, it's it's just not good, and he's trying to play some classical piece, and it's just like it's everything's off key, it's not working, and they go to the bartender and they go like, "What do you got this guy in here for? Like, come like, like what is he like? You know, holding you hostage or something? Like, like what? Wh- why?" Why do you have this vampire in here? And, and the bartender's like, look, I, I just don't know. His, his bark is worse than his bite. Because bark wrote music. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, do you have anything else for us on this one before we go today, Jacob? Look, I, th- I think it's time for the dulcet tones of Kevin McLeod. Oh, we don't get Kevin McLeod without Ray Charles, that's for sure. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Did you know that Kevin and uh, did you know Kevin McLeod invented crossover music? Wow, that's yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christian Buddhist Bar at gmail.com uh, if you would like to send us any other crossover music um, and you know crossover podcasts. Tell your friends to cross over to this one. We'll see you next week.